I've got my props. I'm ready for this morning. How are you all, JC family? How is... Wow. How is everyone online? I can't hear you. No, I'm just kidding. Hope you guys are doing fantastic this morning. Thank you, team. You guys did a great job. Why don't you give them a hand this morning for their dedication, for their service. I want to just start by welcoming everyone, wherever you're watching from this morning, whether you're in the house or whether you're online, I want to pray that today, that today God would become bigger, that today the cross would have more meaning than ever before, that today you would ask yourself an incredibly powerful question, what are you leaning on? What are you trusting in? Because if you can answer that question, you will ultimately get to know God in a better, better way. God is huge. There is always more to discover of his goodness, more to discover of his mercy, more to discover of his love. And so often it starts by discovering more about yourself. And I want to take that moment and just let you... See, it's, it's when I realize that I'm a sinner that I need his forgiveness. And his forgiveness becomes huge when I recognize how sinful I actually am. I see his compassion when I recognize my own pain. I see his strength when I recognize my own weakness. And when I see his strength and his supporting nature, when I recognize what I'm leading on and trusting in. We're going to take a minute while they are continuing to adjust that sound up there and make it sound fantastic for everybody. I know they're working on it. And I want to just start this morning. Are we all ready? This morning, I want to start by exercising our gray matter. See, one of the things that we do as humans is that we come up with a solution to a problem that isn't actually being asked. And then the longer we live that solution out, the more entrenched it becomes in our being and the way we live our life and the way we respond to problems. And we don't even always recognize, and that's what I'm going to get to in a minute, but we don't even always recognize that we're leaning on a solution to a problem that wasn't asked. So this morning, the question I'm asking you is, what are you leaning on? And then we're going to do some unpacking. We're going to look through the scriptures, and we're going to come to a point where I want to encourage you to come to the front again today and just say, God, I need to be leaning and trusting in you. Now, if everybody's ready, I want your gray matter to be engaged. Put your hand up if your gray matter is ready to be engaged. Right, Alex has got two hands up. He is ready to go this morning. Put your hand up if maths is one of your favorite subjects at school. Yes, there's three of us. It's so exciting. All right, I'm going to ask you to please look to the screen. I'm going to give you a quick math problem. Here we go. Three gentlemen one time went. Are you ready? Three gentlemen went to a hotel. And when they went to the hotel, they found that the room was worth $30. Everyone say $30. $30. There's three gentlemen, this $30 room, they decide they're split it three ways. So they each take $10 out of their pocket and they pay for the room. A little while later, what they realize is that a little while later, the reception clerk, the manager, realizes his mistake. He recognizes that the room was only supposed to be $25. So he calls over the bellboy and he sends him back with $5. As the bellboy goes back with his $5 in his hand, the bellboy realizes that there's no way he can split $5 equally among three people. So he comes up with a simple solution. He gives each person $1 and pockets two. I want you to take that in your mind. He gives each person $1 and he pockets two, which is, which is kind of cool. I want you to go to the next slide because here's the question we're going to ask. So three men have all received $1. Back, which means they paid how much for the room? $9 for the room. The bellboy kept 
If you pay $9 by three people, that's $27. And the bellboy kept two. Can you go to the next slide? So the question is, if, if three people paid $9 and the bellboy kept two, what happened to the dollar? If three people paid $9 each, that's $27, and the bellboy kept two, that's $29, what happened to the dollar? Brett, mathematic people, I do not need you to answer that out. I just need you to take a moment. How many people are confused by this math question? I ran this math question by my wife last night. She said, I'm already bored. I said, that's fair enough. The question is, what happened to the last dollar? Three people paid $9 each. A bellboy kept two. Three nines are 27. That's right, isn't it? Every, come on, who's good at times tables? Good. Three nines are 27. The bellboy kept two. You've got $29. What happened to the dollar? But I don't want you to yell it out. We're not in grade three. But I want you to put your hand up like good children. <laughs> that was a joke. Put your hand up if you know the answer to that question. One, two, three. Now put your hand up if you have no idea what the answer to that question is. Thank you so much. This is going to work so well. See, the problem is, the problem is it's a misdirect. Have you ever known something with absolute certainty only to find out you're wrong? Have you ever known with absolute certainty that three times... 9 is 27 plus 2 is 29, and with absolute certainty, we are short $1. Who believes we're short $1? Right? It makes sense, doesn't it? We're short a dollar. And with absolute certainty, I know the mathematical equations of it, but the problem is with this is it's a misdirect. See, the, the problem is, you ready? The, the problem is you're asking the wrong question. The problem is you're all trying to figure out where the $30 is. And the real question you need to get to is you'll never find the $30 until you realize the room only costs 25 If we go to the next slide, you're going to see the room isn't $30, the room's 25 And the problem is if you're focused on trying to find the $30, you're going to miss the fact that it's only 25 I need you to hear this this morning. Hopefully this is going to work. Everyone's going to be like, oh, that's amazing. We learned maths in church. One person's going to go, oh, that's amazing. We learned maths in church. So the problem is you're so focused on trying to find the $30 that you've missed the fact that it was only $25. And you'll never find the $30 without realizing that it's actually only $25. And when you realize it's only $25, and I know there's two people in this entire congregation that figured that out already, but it took me having to read it up on Wikipedia to figure out the answer. But can we please put it up again to the next slide? See, when you start with $25 and each man receives $1, 25 plus 3 is 28, and the bellboy kept two, which is 30. And there's your 30. So you'll never find your 30 when you're looking for your 30. You'll only find your 30 when you find out that it's only 25. Who's more confused now than we were at the beginning of this? 25 plus three plus two equals 30. Have you ever been absolutely certain about something only to realize how wrong you actually were? Most of the people here were absolutely certain that there's a dollar missing, only to find that there isn't a dollar missing. This is my life. When I find this, when I am absolutely certain of something, my brain does this really cool thing. It shuts out any other possibility. 
I become absolutely certain that one dollar is missing. And if we're in a bar, which is a long time ago for me, probably not for Jamie, but for me, a long time ago. I'm joking. But, if we, but I shut out everything else to the exclusion. Sorry, I know something so well to the exclusion of everything else. And, and, and we will fight over the missing one dollar only to realize that the one dollar wasn't missing at all. Are you still following me this morning? Put your hand up if you checked out at the beginning of the math class. <sighs> Elise, I would like to concede that nothing. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. See, a few weeks ago, we looked at John chapter 4 and the story of the Samaritan woman. In John chapter 4, we see the woman who is stuck on a solution. I came here to this well to quench my thirst. If you want to rewatch the sermon, it would be beneficial to go back two weeks ago and watch it online or to go and listen to the podcast. The woman at the well in John chapter 4 came to quench her thirst. I come here because this is where I come to the exclusion of everything else. I come here because I know this through and through, that when I'm thirsty, this is where I come. I come here because my parents came here and my grandparents came here. And to the exclusion of every other possibility, this is where I know I can come when I'm thirsty and I want to quench my thirst. And she was stood at the well with the presence of God right beside her. And she nearly missed the fact that what she was really thirsty for wasn't water in the first place. When we become so narrow in what we know, we miss all the things we don't know. When we are so focused on the small thing that we know and we're zoomed in with laser light focus, what we miss is how big all the other possibilities and potential solutions are. Because she wasn't open to any other solution, she nearly missed the fact that Jesus was standing right in front of her, desperately trying to get her to drink from another well. During the conversation, Jesus takes her on this journey and he points out that what you're really thirsty for isn't just water. What you're really thirsty for is the presence of God in your life. And if we never ask ourselves what we're truly thirsty for, we will always stay stuck in the habit of finding a solution to a problem that is no longer being asked. We will find ourselves leaning on the wrong thing. I feel that Jesus is here today, and this is where I want this sermon to go. Desperately trying to get some of us to drink from another well. Desperately trying to get some of us to stop drinking from the well of tradition or stop drinking from the well that we know so well and start drinking deeply from the love of God. We settle for things that never really quench our thirst. Last week we looked at Numbers 20 and I'd like you to turn with me. If you're turning in your Bibles, that'd be fantastic. If you're taking notes, take the note. Actually, if you're turning in your Bibles, it'd be really awkward because nobody can see it unless you have now an iPhone Bible. 
But it is going to be on the screen for you. The chapter starts in Numbers chapter 20 with Miriam's death. And it starts by laying a foundation that Moses has lost his sister. Moses has lost his sister. There's no water in the land. The people are complaining. It's been nearly 30 years, 40 years. And we realized, as we said last week, that it's fairly safe to say Moses at this point is feeling dry. He's weary. He's worn out. And he's grieving. And Numbers 20 verse 3, and we're going to pick it up from there, says, And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. That's a tough place to be. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord unto this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. And I love the solution. Moses immediately goes to God's presence. He recognizes that there is a problem and the people are complaining. He recognizes his sister's dead. He recognizes there's no water in the place and he's like I need to get a solution so he goes to the presence of God I love this verse 6 and so Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and they fell on their face and the glory of the Lord appeared to them how cool is that story Then the Lord spoke to him. I want you to hear this this morning. The Lord spoke to him and said, "Take the rod. I have a rod." He said, "Take the rod." And your brother Aaron, and gather the congregation, speak to the rock. Everyone say, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring forth water for them from the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. I want to see something different today. Moses is told... In this story, as he goes into the presence of God, God specifically says, take your rod, take your staff. I want you to take it. Got it. Now go to the rock, right? Yes, got it. And speak to the rock. Take the staff, go to the rock, and speak to the rock. Everyone say, take the staff, staff. speak to the rock. One more time, take the staff, speak to the rock. Okay, let's see what happens. Numbers 20 verse 10, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly there together before the rock. Good. And he said to them, hear now you rebels, this is not going well so far. Must we bring water from this rock, out of this rock for you? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod and water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. Moses heard from God to take the rod and speak to the rock. But he struck the rock. Now hear this. Numbers 20 verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron because you did not believe me. Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Because you did not 
believe me. Because you didn't trust in me. You can extrapolate the word out. Because you didn't trust me. Because you didn't have faith in me. Because you didn't lean on me and trust in me. You cannot enter into the promised land. You cannot possess the promised land while leaning on the staff of yesterday. You cannot trust in yesterday's solution as an answer for today's problems. And when we stay stuck leaning on the staff of yesterday, we cannot enter the promised land. God is trying to bring Moses and by extension us to a place where he shows him, I want you to bring the staff. I want you to bring what you've learned. I want you to bring what worked in the past. I want you to bring the staff. You know, Moses, the staff that you threw down when you were in Pharaoh's court and your staff turned into a serpent and ate Pharaoh's serpents and then you picked it back up and it became a staff. I want you to bring that staff. You know, Moses, the staff that you held up over the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted after the wind blew all day and all night and you walked through on dry ground. I want you to bring that staff. You know, Moses, the staff that you used when you parted the Red Sea and the same staff used on the other side when it closed and it carried away your enemies. I want you to bring that staff. You know, Moses, the same staff you used when you were striking the rock right at the beginning of your journey. When you started this journey 40 years ago and I said, bring the staff and strike the rock. That staff, I want you to bring it to a new season and then speak to it. Speak to the rock. What? What? Can you see the confusion Moses would have had here? This staff has worked all my life. I have lent on this staff and trusted this staff. This staff is what God told me to bring in the first place. This staff turned into a serpent. This staff opened the Red Sea. This staff brought water from the rock. Why wouldn't you use this staff today? Because God's saying, the thing you're leaning on yesterday is not what you need to lean on tomorrow. The thing that you've been trusting in here, the solution you have known that you know to the exclusion of all other solutions, when you try and carry that into your next season, it doesn't work. It doesn't bring you to the presence and the promised land the way I want to bring you. I need you to honor me by trusting me. I need you to honor me, not by trusting what you learned yesterday, not by trusting what worked five years ago, not by trusting what worked 10 years ago. I need you to honor me by trusting me today. And do you know what we get caught up in? We get caught up in church life. We get caught up in, you know, well, well, 20 years ago when I came to church, they all went, and everybody fell over, and that's how I knew God was there. And he goes, stop looking for the thing to lean on from the past and come into the new season. Because what was working then may not be working now. Can I give you one more thing? You know, this is not just, by the way, you know, people are like, oh, I'm not sure whether I believe in God. Can, this isn't just about God. This is a life lesson. It's an object lesson that fits in your entire life. If you're running a business, what was working 20 years ago, the way you ran teams and led may not be working for the next season. 
In your marriage 20 years ago, what you worked or what you did may not work to bring you into the next season. Mm. (sighs) Can I give you my personal example? (laughs) I love it when you guys come to church. It's like you get to learn just how broken I really was and hopefully see how far God has taken me. But I want to say to you, whether you're 9 or 90, the journey hasn't finished. Many years ago, before my brother married the beautiful Lisa, sorry, Jamie, I should have checked with you, but I'm using this illustration. Yay, you. (laughs) Jamie had a girlfriend. This is a story about my brokenness, not his girlfriend. And he came to me, and Elise and I were together, and he came to me, and he was very despondent and discouraged and sad, and he said, my, my girlfriend and I broke up. I said, why? He said, well, you know, I don't know, she just broke up. So I dug a little bit. No, 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 what did she say? He said, well, what she said was, you're becoming just like all my other boyfriends. And so we broke up. And I looked at him, and I said, that wasn't the first time she said it. He said, no, no, she'd said it a few times. Here is my brokenness on display. Here was the advice I gave my brother, admittedly, nearly 30 years ago, so I'm good with this. I said to Jamie, that's a mistake you made. I said, what you should have done the first time she said it is applied so much pain, is absolutely gone off your nut at her and applied so much pain to that thought and that statement that she would never want to think it again. I was recounting this story to Barry the other day. (laughs) You know, about halfway through the story, I recognized this is a fundamentally broken solution. (laughs) But when I was 20, that was the solution I had. And I literally, genuinely thought that if I just applied enough pain to your thought, then you would never think it again and we could all move on. And you're like, oh, that's really messed up. Really? Yeah, probably. When Elise and I got married, I went through a season of struggling with jealousy. And, and so, ready? The staff that I lent on, it was the same staff. And I brought it from one season to the next season. And, and because I was feeling jealous and because I was feeling insecure, I literally thought that what I would do is I would apply so much pain to the concept of her perhaps one day having a different partner than me that she would never, ever want to entertain that thought. So I just was berating her and putting her down frequently so that she would never, ever entertain that thought. I know you're all sitting there going, wow. I brought that same staff, I'm a slow learner, into my parenting. And if you talk to my children in their early years, and particularly when they became teenage years, and when they became teenagers and they would make mistakes, I would just think to myself, if I just apply enough pain on this situation, my daughter, beautiful girl, is Rebecca. My gorgeous daughter, Rebecca, who I love, who has grown. We sat one day at the, at the club in, at, a, at a dinner in Springfield and she told me about how she drove Sam's car 
while being unlicensed. And, and what did I think? I thought, if I could just apply pain to that thought, she will never want to drive a car unlicensed again. So I just started to speak to her about how dangerous that was and how silly that was. And, and what I was looking for was that, you know, that kind of, um, you know, what, contrite spirit where she goes, I'm so sorry, Dad, you're right. <sighs> Unfortunately, I had a daughter called Rebecca. And Rebecca didn't do that. And so I simply looked at my staff and I thought, well, that's not very big. Hang on a second, I've got a bigger one. And I said to her, it's a stupid thing to do. It's absolutely ridiculous. I cannot believe you. At this point, people at other tables started to turn and look. My wife started to tap my leg. You know how it starts like tap, 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 tap. <laughs> Phil, calm down. Can I say to you, some of you are hanging on to a staff that isn't working. Some of you are hanging on to a habit that you think will work to bring a solution into your life, but it's not what God has called you to do. Some of you still struggle with habits that brought you peace when you were a young teenager, and you're now 50 and 60, but you're still struggling to break the addiction of that habit because you've never learned that you're leaning on the wrong thing. Are you following me this morning? Is this, amongst the humour, and I hope it's been humorous, at least for me, but amongst this, I really want you to hear this heart. That so often we get caught up. Can, can I say, some of you, oh, Phil, that's so bad. I have been praying. That's wonderful. Oh, my gosh, it's so cool that you've been praying. It's not you get out of jail free card. I've been tithing. Not you get out of jail free card. I've been coming to church. I've been reading the Bible. Some of you have just doubled down on your religion as your staff to lean on for the next season. And really what I want, what I felt the Spirit of God communicate to me today is to say to you, please take a few moments to look at the staff that you're leaning on. And if your staff is religion, can I suggest we leave that and come into relationship? See, you're not blessed because you come to church more. Coming to church more is a great thing to do. But it's not the staff you should lean on. You're not blessed and favoured because you tithe and your tithe is bigger than somebody else's tithe. Tithing is a fantastic thing to do and it crucifies our selfish nature, but it's not the thing to lean on. You're not blessed because you read your Bible. Well, Alex only reads his Bible one hour and I read my Bible for an hour and a half every day. It's not the staff to lean. It's a great thing to do. But I love what Karen said this, what Monica said this morning, sorry. If you're trusting, leaning on anything else like the Apostle Paul who lent on all of his religious traditions to be made right with God and God says, I want you to leave all that behind and would you speak to the rock? 
would you trust? Would you trust me more than what's worked in the past? Would you trust me in this new season? Would you lift me up? And, and I pray, and I'm genuinely saying this, my wife and family, you think you've had a front row seat. My wife and family have had an amazing front row seat at all of my mistakes. And I pray that they can see the journey God's taken me on. And that I've moved from season to season by reflecting and letting go of staffs that don't work and moving into a greater relationship and trust with my Heavenly Father. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and thank you so much for coming up, guys. See, some of us have used anger, volume, and entering into people's physical space to get what you want. Others have used silence and sulking and manipulation to get what you want. Some have used smoking and drinking and drugs to escape the problems and others have been caught up in pornography or adultery to gain a sense of acceptance. And all of these things work to a level. But God wants you to look at your staff, leave behind the religious and come into a fresh relationship. So this morning, I'm going to ask that while the team comes, while the team worships, I'm going to ask for the visual team in a moment to put up Isaiah 40, verse 31. See, the solution is found in this. Those who wait on the Lord. Those who trust in Him. Those who bind themselves to Him. They're the ones who renew their strength for the new season. They're the ones that will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. It's, it's in the letting go of the old and moving into the new that you find strength for the new season. So I'm asking this morning, would you come? Would you come out of your seats? I'm going to leave this here. Would you examine your own staff? Would you examine your own heart? Would you bring it before God and say, God, what is it I'm leaning on? What is it I'm trusting in more than you? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.